have not watched anything. The only thing we've been watching is I have started my kids on Umbrella Academy and judge me. They're 12 and 9. Don't care. They love it. And now my daughter is like kind of secretly crushing on five. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) I hate five. He's such a jerk. I think he's kind of cool. I like five. I probably would have liked him, too, if I was her age. I think that's what I would have been into. She's sweet on him. You know how they have a Google profile picture for their uh, accounts at yeah. school or whatever. Yeah, she changed hers to a picture of five. Nice, nice. <laughs> that's that's almost like uh, getting an engraved necklace with his initials. That's almost almost. That it's almost. almost. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, what if you've been watching anything? Okay, so I haven't felt well, so I haven't gone to work for the last two days. So I have watched a lot. Mandalorian season two came out last mm-hmm. week, so the kids and I watched the first episode. The next episode is out. We just haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but it's so good. My little Star Wars loving heart was so excited. There's just so many cool Easter egg stuff. If you're into Star Wars, go watch it. It's a good series. And then I'm not even like my oldest is into all the like the background, the you know the the lore, the Star Wars, the mm-hmm. whole canon. I'm not, and but I still got a huge kick out of all the stuff that just even as an idiot who just likes Star Wars for liking Star Wars, I, I, I saw a lot of cool stuff. So Also, last night I finished The Queen's Gambit, the series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It was really good. A lot of chess talk. I mean, if you're into chess, which I am not, but it was a really good, really good series and really well done acting. I'm not even bothered knowing names because I don't even know. The main girl, she's awesome. She was in Thoroughbreds and Split and Glass, all those movies. Anya and Anna, I don't know, A-N-Y-A is, a, is her name, I think. But she's so good. But really good is, I think it's her Marielle Heller. She plays the main girl's mom, adoptive mom. But she's also a director. She directed the Mr. Rogers movie, that Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. And she directed yeah. Please Forgive Me or something like that. Melissa McCarthy was in it. She was nominated for an Oscar. It's a true story about this woman that she was a, like a kind of piddling writer, not a great writer. And she made millions off of forgery of famous people letters. Like she forged a whole bunch of letters from like famous people from like the twenties through forties personal correspondence. And she just made them up and then sold them at auction. I mean, she went and had all these different typewriters for all these, these different things. And she, I mean, it's a true story. She went and did it and then got caught by FBI or whatever and had to like gotten big trouble, but it's a true story. It's an interesting book too. Cause now the lady's out and yeah. So anyways, so anyways, Hello, everyone. Welcome to That's So Original Podcast. And it's here. The final episode of Ratchet is here. Woohoo! We have done it. It is titled Mildred and Edmund. Apropos for sure. Should also be titled Completely Unnecessary. It should be called What in the Entire Actual Fuck is Going On. Do you should you need to start us off. Start us off okay. with Louise. <laughs> <laughs> so we get the title card that says that it's one month later and we are back at Lucia Hospital and Miss Flapper Louise is wearing a nurse's uniform and she is pushing a cart through the hall. And the cart is full of these crazy craft creations like pine cone people and just like everything's got googly eyes. Everything's got a googly eye. She walks up to this lady who's obviously a patient and holds up one of these terrifying apple head dolls. Did you ever make an apple head doll like in Girl Scouts? No. You didn't? I wasn't actually in Girl Scouts. I'm just a leader. Oh, now. wow. So. I, I, see how, I see how it is. I'm sorry. I'm, I didn't know it was a thing. I wasn't in it either, but I remember my sister making these stupid, creepy apple head dolls where you carve an apple and make it into a face and then you cover it with like lemon juice or whatever and then it just shrivels up and makes this weird face. I don't know. God, that's horrific. (laughs) Why would children do this? I don't know. And then I don't know. But anyways, this is what, uh, this is obviously, um, it's perfect for Louise because she made this. And she's saying in this creepy voice that I'm a shrunken head and it's important (laughs) to stay hydrated. And um, obviously this person in a mental hospital is screaming and freaking out because crazy Louise is shoving this dehydrated apple in her face. 
And so then Louise, being the calm and rational person that she is, screams, What is wrong with you? Do you realize how long it takes to make these things? Thank God for Bucket. She walks in and says, Come on, Louise. I need to see you in my office. But I love it. She tells her, I have a soft spot in my heart for a fidgety, faded alcoholic flapper like you, which is why I gave you a job, because your life could use some direction. I like how when she, when she says that, Louise grins and does that little shoulder lift, like, tea, yeah, like, that's me. I'm an alcoholic supper. Nailed it. But she just tells her she can't torment patients that are already fragile. If they do not want her craft therapy, then she just has to say thank you and have a good day and move along. Louise is not bothered by this at all. She's enthusiastic about being here because now she has more than just a job. She has a career and she just can't thank Betsy enough for that. And I love that Betsy just goes, okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then Louise brings Betsy her paper and says, look at this. And of course the headline says, clergy killer sentenced to death, execution set. So we know that Edmund has obviously gone before a judge and he has been sentenced to death. And Betsy says, well, I know I've heard all about it. The governor's pushing the execution through to help his campaign. It's a disgrace, but come election day, Edmund Tullison will be dead. Dun-dun-dun. Creepy credits. Mm. Creepy credits. And I think I finally understand what they are. Oh, good. So, good, because okay. I didn't watch them, so go ahead. I have been skipping them for the last few episodes, but this is my theory now. My theory is that, obviously, it's Mildred holding right. one end of the string, and it's Mildred following the string. And the Mildred that is following the string is Mildred going through these various experiences in her life, and then she gets to Nurse Ratchet, who cuts the thread because she's trying to disconnect herself from that past life and everything that happened to her up to that point and she has kind of reinvented herself now as nurse ratchet interesting yeah, does that, that makes sense does that work that does makes sense. Okay. there's okay. a lot of water imagery and then later somebody says something about water which i will mention but i have questions so we'll get to okay. that eventually okay so netflix captions says 1940s popular music playing oh i missed that too okay so we are in a bedroom with mildred and gwenny yeah we are having a little rump and suddenly she stops gwen stops and then she apologizes she has to leave the room to go to the bathroom and vomit poor gwen oh gosh and she's trying to straighten her hair up a little at the sink after she throws up and is washing her hands and a big clump of hair comes out in her hand which of course freaks her out and Mildred walks in, and Gwen says, oh, I'd love to keep going, but I think I'm going to need an intermission. And so they sit down in the living room, and Gwen's saying how she can't believe how awful she feels, even though the chemotherapy has just started. Mildred has a little smile, and Gwen's like, I know that look. She says, you have a plan rattling around in that brilliant head of yours. And she says, well, duh, but <laughs> I didn't want to say anything until I knew it was going to happen with Edmund. But now that I know what's going to happen with him, and she's kind of resigned herself to the fact that he is going to be executed one way or another, we can pack our bags and head to Mexico. And Gwenny is all in. She's like, ole, let's do this. (laughs) So we see like this imagery of them sitting side by side, holding hands on like a veranda. It was very beaches. It was very beaches. It was so beaches. Oh shit. Um, (laughs) And she's like, Oh, this, this sounds great. We can be together, watch the ocean and then I'll die while the sun sets. And in the little, this illusion or whatever, she's just sitting in the chair and all of a sudden she just slumps over in her chair. Mild- drops her margarita. <laughs> drops her margarita and Mildred starts crying. I assume about Gwen, but probably maybe a little bit about that margarita too. I'm just like, does in it, would you ever know? Or do you ever, whatever that song. Would you ever know that you're my hero? I got another song coming up. Oh, good. <laughs> Gwen says you know what it's fine this month has been the best month of my life and your life is just beginning and Mildred says okay actually I have 
another plan. We're we're not going to do that whole dying on the veranda while the sun sets. I have found some brilliant doctors who can cure cancer, and they are in Mexico. We can go on with our lives together. And I said, P.S., this theatrical music is killing me. It's beautiful music, but it is like, wow, a little overdone here, Netflix. Take it down a couple of notches. And Gwen says, you know what? Actually, that sounds better than my plan. So let's do it. And they kiss and we're going to, we're going to Mexico. Eventually. Mm -hmm. One day. Maybe. Mm -hmm. We'll see. Mm -hmm. Eventually. (laughs) So we're back at Lucia. Mildred is walking in looking fabulous, which happens a lot in this episode. She's always just walking into the, like, she's never working. Oh my God. She's just walking in. Like, hello. And I was like, did this turn into a blues club over the past month? (laughs) It's got this blousy jazz music playing. I'm like, where are we? And Mildred is always dressed beautifully. She's not in a uniform. She's just walking in like, hey, how's everybody doing? (laughs) And the hospital is buzzing. There's tons of patients. Apparently, this is the first time she's been in in this last month. So she's been off doing whatever. Mm-hmm. So she walks into Bucket's office and she tells Bucket, you've done a marvelous job. And Bucket says, well, Hanover set a rather low bar. <laughs> and I, I laugh. And she's, mm-hmm. she's very excited because she's hired a woman doctor. Isn't that incredible? Betsy says, I know you're here, but your brother, you probably wanted me to talk you through what it'll be like for him. You know, the execution. And Betsy just dives right in. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I don't think Mildred really cared, but apparently this is for us. This is to let us know what's going to happen. And so as she's explaining it, we're seeing it play out on screen. He will be brought down a long hallway, flanked by guards, to the execution chamber. He'll be strapped on a gurney, and an IV will be inserted into his arm, as well as backup in case the first line fails. He'll be given his last rites, in his case, by a priest. Ironic, right? (laughs) And I laugh. It's like rain (laughs) on your wedding day. There you go. That hey, that was your other, that was your musical mm-hmm. cue? Cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's up on that, he's on this this gurney, and they tip him up so he looks like he's on a cross because his arms are stretched out. And then this viewing curtain opens for this audience, and as Betsy's explaining it, this is when Edmund will be asked for his last words, and she envisions him saying he's sorry for what he did and, <laughs> and hopes his death provides some comfort. And then, and then an injection of sodium thi- thi- pen- thiopenthal? Isn't that what Hanover was using to get high in the car that one time? Maybe. I think it was. The second ejection is, of course, potassium chloride, which will stop his heart. First, I mean, I just thought of, like, every time we put a dog to sleep, that's what that is. That's what they're giving. This is terrible. Don't talk about it. <laughs> she says, usually it'll stop his heart within a few minutes, and then the fantasy turns red as Edmund dies. And mm-hmm. I have to ask you, tell or say, tell me he looks cute here. Tell me. No, I... <laughs> This is exactly what it says in my notes. We see Eddie now laying down strapped to the table. The lighting is all red and he looks weird per usual. His teeth are huge. Yes, His eyes are bugged weird. out. He looks weird. Okay. Ugh, I'm, I'm not disagreeing that in this role he looks weird. I am saying Finn Whitrock as a general rule in the real world is attractive. The end. Mm. Mm. I don't think so. Jury's still out. So Mildred just gets a sad look and she cries and Betsy says she have done everything you could for him. It's important to remember he has two weeks left and we are going to make sure his last days have some kind of dignity. So no making Apple had dolls with Louise. That's, <laughs> we're going to make sure that doesn't That's happen. Out. That's out for sure. But she um, tells Mildred that Hanover's barn is finished. So she's going to allow him to spend an hour a day in there to work and commune with the animals. I was like, is there a pitchfork in that barn? Asking for a friend. <laughs> so Mildred starts just crying. Why? She's done. She's doing her best to Nancy Kerrigan right here. <laughs> and Betsy, I'm so sorry for you, Mildred. The camera pans back. And as it pans back, it shows a model of the barn sitting on a table in the office, which I thought was cool. The little imagery they did there. Mm-hmm. I am never going to get used to those two being nice to each other. Yeah, it's, it's weird. so weird with how this started. Okay. So outside now with Betsy, the barn, and Eddie. And Bucket's like, it's a beautiful day, but Eddie just wants to complain about how the guards won't let him use soap in the shower anymore. And Bucket's like, look, hygiene, the least of your problems, okay? Remember? (laughs) 
You get to, in two weeks, you're going to be executed. So you can, you're, you're asking me as dirty as can be because you're going to be dead. Yeah, we're, we're really not worried about that. But even though you are a horrible person and a violent murderer, you don't deserve to spend all that time in a cell. And as a Christian, I believe it is my duty to give you every final chance to make peace with God. I'm so sure that is what Eddie's going to do in there. Mm-hmm. So every day I will let you come outside in the fresh air and connect with nature. And he's like, did Mildred put you up to this? <laughs> and she just laughs and says, okay, but anyway, um, here is Hanover's dream. It's a barn. And they open the doors and it's like grand reveal. The guards walk him inside and he's still shackled. He's got the things like he can't make full steps and his hands are shackled to his waist. They close and lock the doors behind him. And I was like, these animals are all like, what the fuck is, I think they, because you know, animals, they're very intuitive. They're, they're like, no, 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 not, not this one. Not, not this guy. We heard what he could, we was going to do to a chicken. I was thinking, are they really going to leave him in this place unsupervised? But no, you start to hear like the shotguns cock. There are four armed guards, I believe, in every corner inside that are going to shoot him if he farts too loud. And he's like, (laughs) okay. He's like, fellas, I just, I really just want to hang out with the animals. And yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cute. He talks to the chicken and he's like, this is your egg. You need to protect this egg at all costs. And he's talking to the pig who, he gets really super excited about talking to the pig <laughs> who, who he names Porky. And I'm like, oh God, this is so gross. See, this just shows me I am, I'm not made for farm life because I'm looking at that pig like, that thing is so gross and big and huge and dirty and gross. Okay. And then he sees this beautiful white horse who is like, do not fucking touch me. And he's trying to stroke the horse's nose. And it's like, okay, fine. But can you please not cry while you're petting me? Because he's getting like very emotional in this barn. So maybe animal therapy, maybe there's something to it. I don't know. Yeah. And he's what he's saying to the horse over and over again is, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. As I'm just now reading my notes, it's hitting me. Because at first I was like, oh, he's not afraid of the horse. No, he's not afraid to die. I think it's, it's that's what it comes down to. I'm not afraid to die. So now we are watching another man being dragged down the hall to the execution chamber. And I was like, okay, who's this guy? What, what's happening? Mm-hmm. And this guy is freaking out. He is afraid to die. He's nervous and he's crying. And he gets into the thing and they're strapping him down. And we hear, Case Hitchens, do you have anything to say to the family? Little Jimmy Stratton. And as he starts to apologize, he's cut off by the governor, who's a dick. I called him Governor Douchebag. Yep. Governor Grabby Hands. He's a butthole. It tells him to turn for the cameras because this is his show, you see. And he announces, I'm Governor Wilborn. When I was informed you were facing death for killing a seven-year-old boy, I said to myself, he doesn't deserve that. He deserves this. And he's not getting a lethal injection. He is going to be put in the electric chair. Says. It's under the sheet, and he just, like, whoo, pulls the sheet off. Ta-da! Big Sparky. And they shove this this blubbering guy into it, and the governor is laughing because he says, we dragged the chair out of retirement for this. You can cry all you want like the boy did when you slit his throat from ear to ear. And I was like, oh, dude. Gross. And then in the viewing gallery, which is obviously this boy's family, and, there's, and an, a radio reporter is in there dictating what's happening word for word. And the governor addresses the family, the dead boy. He says the state of California will be a state of law and order. Dun dun. What's the law and order thingy? Bum bum. Dun dun. Yeah. As this is happening, we get a cut to Lucia, where Mildred is just walking in again, just wandering through the yeah, pulling off her gloves. And the nursing staff is crowded around a radio, and they're listening to the execution on the radio. And then we cut back to the governor and he says, hey, you know, guys, can, can I throw the switch myself? That'd be really cool if I, if I could do it. <sighs> sure, Gov, come on over. He tells him, may God have mercy on you because I ain't gonna and flips the switch. And obviously everything is wrong. Well, one, as I've learned from watching The Green Mile, he's got to have a wet sponge on his head to so the electricity has something mm-hmm. to conduct with. They do not. Mm-hmm. So what is happening nope. is this man is just frying. He is just burning to death. And the, as the reporter is telling us every bit about it, Lord, help us. Something is wrong. Something is terribly wrong. This is beyond description. Prisoner is on fire. And the, the governor is not going to let him stop. Nope, nope, nope. And the people in the viewing thing are flipping out. Like, can you imagine your child was murdered and then you yeah. have to watch this? Because that's some PTSD fun shit. Mm -hmm. Finally, the governor turns everything off. And I have in my notes, this is some Green Mile shit. 
I said it was the everything's fine yeah. meme because literally the dude's on fire and the governor's just like, this is good. This is good. Everything's exactly <laughs> This is fine. Everything's fine. This is so good. the prisoner is utterly unrecognizable and he's still burning is what the radio announcer says. Mildred is, we see her in front of the radio and she storms out and the governor is just so goddamn proud of himself. Oh, he's so proud. He's garbage. He is garbage. Oh, well, I guess that torturing people really works up an appetite because now we are with the governor and a plate of disgustingly juicy steak. And he's at that same restaurant that he was eating with Gwendolyn at the beginning of the season where Hanover came and interrupted. Uh, Mildred and Gwen walk in. He's like, hey, Gwenny. And she says, oh, yeah, hi. Um, You remember Mildred Ratched? And he says, yeah, but you didn't mention her when we agreed to this little get-together. And Mildred's like, oh, my bad. Hope that's okay. And he says, what a lucky man I am. It's fine. He's such a sleaze. I hate it all. Uh, they sit down, and he's like, okay, what do you want? Mildred says, it's about Edmund Tolson. Isn't everything? He says, save your breath. I'm not sparing his life. Mildred says, we don't want you to. We just want his execution to be carried out through peaceful means, like the gas chamber or lethal injection. Mildred is getting all fired up, no pun intended, and Gwen is holding her hand at the table and trying to calm her down. And then Gwendolyn, she's smart. She tries to appeal to his ego by saying, look how far the state has come due to your forward thinking and bringing back something as barbaric as the electric chair is just taking us back in time. But the governor makes some more sexist comments. He sips his whiskey. And then he goes on about how he's not a politician. He's a performer. And that's probably the truest thing he's ever said. He says, I'm always listening to what the audience wants me to play next. It's just, it's so gross. They want a spectacle. And I'm going to give it to them because I'm a winner. And it's like, this is all so grossly familiar he says and come november 9th i'm going to win and then he stands up to leave and so does mildred she says edmund is my brother he says well then i recommend you don't listen to the radio she's like i won't let you do this yada yada gwendolyn grabs her by the arms and says darling darling i hate that term of endearment i really do it's, it's no use. He's not going to change his mind. And he realizes they have a thing. And he says, well, I'll be damned. A couple of Sappho's right under my nose. And, and I'd never even sniffed it out. And I have never heard of that term before. And either. I was, I was wondering if you Googled it. I did. I looked it up. And Sappho's was a poet. And I cannot remember the time frame. But it was like... I think it was like hundreds of years ago and she wrote like almost a a homosexual erotica like female homosexual erotica it was like Sappho's of Lesbos so maybe that's where she was from and so that's how the terms I don't know it was I just think that he's disgusting and I hate him and He's like, Gwendolyn, now I know why you never slept with me. I'm like, I I could name about a hundred other reasons why she hasn't slept with you. Like your disgusting, masochistic, chauvinistic, sadistic, stupid face. But he says, well, my sister, she's like both of you. And it's a hard life. So good luck. And don't forget to vote for me. Gwen says, I'm sorry to Mildred. I don't know why I thought that would work. And I said, uh, me neither. And she says, what do we do now? And, you know, Mildred always has a plan. Oh, was it just me that, like, were you shocked that the governor was not more disgusting about their relationship? Like, a little bit. I mean, like, he seemed cool I, with it. Like, yeah. And that just that threw me off altogether. Maybe because he had seen his sister, like... Yeah, but even then, I would think he'd be like, oh, God, disowned, you know, not don't want anything to do with you. I don't know. So we are back at Lucia, and Betsy is addressing Mildred and, and Gwendolyn, and she's telling them about how each nurse has had a sloppy joe in that musty break room, and it took all of my control not to hurl. But Miss Bayfield, this this benefactor, has become a great friend and insisted from now on all our lunches will be catered. Mildred says, Betsy, pay attention. I need to talk about Edmund. <laughs> oh, 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 are we not talking about food? Okay. Betsy's me in every conversation. Mm-hmm. And she's like, whoa, okay, hang on a minute. 
how much does this lady know? And like gestures to Gwendolyn. And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. You don't know me. And Betsy's like, uh, yeah, I do. Uh, you nearly bled to death on this very carpet. I don't know if you remember. I was there having a breakdown at the dance. I don't know. We were all there. She says scrubbing someone's blood out of Saxony pile is a rather intimate act. Mm-hmm. And I was like, gag. Mm-hmm. Betsy, ew. Why is that her job? Like, don't they have custodians at this place? Right? So weird. So weird. Ew. So Mildred says, well, back onto the subject. Uh, Gwendolyn says the governor's gone mad with his electric chair. And Mildred's trying to tell Betsy, like, Edmund can't burn. This has to be a humane death. It can't. He can't go like this. And Betsy agrees, saying that everyone can tell he's mentally ill. And it's our jobs as nurses to treat the ill with as much care and humanity as possible. And Mildred just brightens up and says, yes, angels of mercy. Oh. Mm-hmm. Betsy says, well... What do you mean by mercy? And I was like, oh, Betsy, wait for it. (laughs) So Mildred has a plan. Her plan is that they're going to bring Edmund out to the barn. No guards this time. It shows that he's trusted. And he's going to appreciate that. And when the guards ask why no guards inside, I'll simply say because Betsy Bucket said so. Betsy says, yep, yep, they'll believe that because they, they, (laughs) mm -hmm, they listen to me. They sure do. So Mildred goes on and says, Edmund will be caring for the animals, talking to them, and he'll be distracted. And when he's distracted, Huck will come up behind him with the first injection to sedate him. He'll fall to the ground, and then I'll give him the final injection. And as she's imagining it, she's going to be telling him, so sorry, brother, you're part of me forever, Edmund. <laughs> After it's done, we will say he just got unruly, and we sedated him, and he had a bad reaction. It happens all the time. And Betsy says, well... As a nurse, I can't say I'm in love with the idea that we'll end a life, but I suppose we have to face the ghastly horror of the alternative. Hmm, maybe I should deliver the lethal dose so you won't have to witness it. And Mildred says, no, I have to do it. Betsy says, all right, well, I didn't really want to do it anyway, so. (laughs) God, it's just awful. She's trying to be nice, but Uh, I guess we're not that close of friends. Shit. Forget it. Forget it. Cut to the basement with Eddie, and Mildred is wheeling in a cart of food, and he's like, what is this, like, my last supper? And she says nothing, just thought you would enjoy a special dinner, stuff we used to like when we were kids, and he's like, I'm not a kid anymore, Mildred, but he's eating the stuff anyway, because I bet he does. I said, where did they eat this? What foster home fed them like this? Because apparently none of them yeah, did. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Good point. He he says, wake up. You're the only one who doesn't see me for what I really am. And she says, I'm the only one who does know who you really are. And please do not eat with your fingers, Edmund. And I was like, I say this to my kids all the time. I gave you a fork for a reason. Oh, my God. <sighs> okay. So she hands him the little silverware, rolled up the, what's what? that called? Yeah. Serviette. I was waiting for something to fall out of it, like that she had a plan right then and there. Me too. Me too. Or that she had told Bucket that was her plan, but that, yeah. and then this scene was going to be a totally what. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, he says, fuck that. You're relieved. I can tell. I'll be dead in two weeks. And then you can just go on with your life. And he's looking at the food and he's like, unless you put rat poison in here. And Mildred is appalled. She says, you broke my heart, Edmund. I had it all planned out and you ruined it. And for what? And he says, for love. Yeah. Dolly, please. More like doily now, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) But um. I like it. You did it. It's a good job. We can just end it right here. I don't think <laughs> we're not going to pick that. Okay. She says, well, why couldn't you just love me? I sacrificed my life for you. And he says, no, I sacrificed mine for you. You left me. And she says, you told me to. He says, so you're done with me. And she says, you don't know how grateful I am that you killed them and saved my life. That's why I did what I did to make up for leaving you there. I didn't know what to do. I was just a little girl. I'm sorry. I'll never be done with you. That will never happen. And I I thought that Edmund looked legitimately surprised at all these things that she was saying. And Mildred goes on. She says, I want to spend some time with you. I've convinced Betsy to let us have an hour together in the barn. And you can introduce me to that pig you like. And Edmund is like actually joyful at the thought of this pig. And I said, he must really like the pig. I know. He goes over to the bars and he tells her, oh, Mildred, there's so many animals that I want to show you. 
I, it got really weird because I didn't know if this was like improvised or something. Because he's like, there's a cow and a goat. And she's like, what kind of goat? <laughs> just the, what came out of her mouth was just so random. What, ki- what kind of goat? Even the way she said it. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that was supposed to be there or not. They said cut after that and everybody just started rolling. I know, they're like, like, nobody says, she's probably like, oh, they're still going. They're still going, oh, well, what kind of goat? What color is it? You know, it was random. So we are outside Lucia, and the parking lot is full. I mean, it's hopping in there again. And a nurse comes into Betsy's office and says, Nurse Bucket, uh, Charlotte Wells is in the lobby. And Betsy's like, what the fuck? Mm. So she goes in the lobby, and we find Charlotte waiting. And Charlotte is looking very different. And she says, well, can I help you? And Charlotte jumps up. Of course you can help me. It's your job. Follow me. It's important. And she just starts trucking down the hall and... Betsy's following her like, uh, uh, okay, we're going to see where this goes and we'll see what's happening. She goes into Hanover's office, sits at Hanover's desk and opens a file and Betsy's intrigued. And she's like, um, what's happening, Charlotte? Where's Dr. Hanover? Charlotte says, I am Dr. Richard Hanover and I have pressing matters to attend to. You are a beautiful woman, Nurse Bucket, and an asset to me. And I was like, oh, blush. (laughs) But I cannot stay here much longer. People are after me. I have to escape and help patients like Charlotte Wells. <laughs> Betsy is all of us because she's like, I am very confused. <laughs> <laughs> Just her, her, her delivery on these lines kills me. Yeah. And Charlotte goes on to say, Tullison's my star patient. Once I cure him, they will understand what I am capable of. I won't allow him to be put to death. And then she kind of turns away and you see her body change a bit. And it's Charlotte for like a second because... Betsy says something to her and she says, who? And then she turns and immediately grabs Betsy's face and says, you're in love with me, aren't you? And Betsy says, well, um, hmm. make yourself at home and I'll go get Edmund for you. So Betsy takes off and she finds Huck and she says, come on, you have to come with me. At the same time, we see the split screen and Charlotte is at Hanover's desk and she's going through his papers and files Betsy's telling Huck, Charlotte Wells is here, and she's lost her mind. She's lost several of them, I think. And I was like, oh, rude. Mm -hmm. But then we cut over to Charlotte, and she's reaching into Hanover's bottom drawer, and she's found a handgun. And she pulls it out. And Betsy's telling Huck to follow her into the office. And as they walk in the office, she tells Huck to shut the doors, because they can handle this themselves. And then they walk in the office and find Charlotte, who is holding a gun and pointing it right at Huck. And she screams, that is not Edmund Tullison. And I love Betsy turns around and goes, oh, God, I made a mistake. Open the doors. <laughs> so Charlotte points the gun and says neither of them would have jobs if it wasn't for him slash her. Not sure. And she turns to Huck and she says, you with your Halloween mask for a face and nurse bucket with your persistent ineptitude and pathetic advances. Take me to Edmund. Aww. So rude. I know. And I love it. Huck is just immediately into it. And he goes, Dr. Hanover, it's so nice to see you. Lucia hasn't been the same without you, but you think I'm scared with you pointing a gun at me? This is nothing to compare to when a Nazi scumbag put a pistol to my forehead and pulled the trigger, but the gun jammed. And then a second later, a mortar hit him and blew him to 50 pieces. But it only scalded half my face. And then everybody's like, uh, all right, we got Huck's backstory real quick, okay? (laughs) And then he turns to her and says, Charlotte, do you remember the dance? And Charlotte says, I am Hanover, your superior, and you're trying to manipulate me. I never saw you so happy. You were dancing with Harold, remember? And we get a little flashback of her dancing with Harold. I was like, why? Why is that the memory you decided to bring up? Come on. And then right behind, you see as she's dancing with him, you see Edmund walking (sighs) up with a knife and... It's back to Charlotte for a second. She says, yeah, I remember his eyes, the kind, sweet eyes and how he looked at me like I was a normal woman. And then she says, he killed him right in front of me. Then the scene cries and fades out. Charlotte starts to fade. She's obviously changing personalities. So Betsy gestures for Huck to grab the gun as she's in between. And the second she snaps awake, the gun goes off and Huck is shot in the head and killed. And I literally scream, no, because it, it was so bad. So Charlotte is not Mr. Beat. She's like, Edmund has done some monstrous things, but it's up to me to find out why. Take me to him, Nurse Bucket, now. And Betsy's like, but you shot Huck. Look what you've done. Charlotte points the gun at Betsy and says, we need to go. And we need to go out this way, not out by the front door. We need to go cut through the pharmacy. And as they're cutting through the pharmacy, guards break into Hanover Betsy's office now. 
And as they're coming out of the pharmacy, a guard sees them and asks Betsy if she's okay. And Charlotte tells her to tell him he's fine. But Betsy is like in straight up in shock. She's like, oh, it's fine, Mikey. And guard says, well, who are you with? Who is that? And then they follows him down this empty hallway. And as he's going down the empty hall, they've already disappeared. And out of nowhere, Charlotte busts out of a door and beats the guard. And now all of a sudden she's on Dean. I played Mendelssohn for Prince Louis II of Monaco. Who the fuck are you? <sighs> she drags Betsy down the hall and outside. So they walk into, like, it's the access area to the elevator that takes you down to the basement where Edmund is kept. So uh, we, I know we had talked about this before. I guess there are a couple of layers of... Uh, yeah, I didn't know this. You know, from Edmund. <laughs> I didn't know this either. So she goes up to this guard who's sitting at a little desk and she's like, oh, hey, just want to pop down and see Edmund. And he's looking at Charlotte like, oh, well, who is this? And she says, Isabel something or other. I didn't write down for blank, blankly. She's gone blank. <laughs> blankly. The, from the Office of Prisoner Rights from the ACLU. And her face is like, please please believe this, please believe this, or she's going to blow your brains out. I think it was more of, please help me, please help me, please help me. <laughs> he falls for it, and he tells her, uh, okay, go ahead, but you'll see that he is being well cared for, ma'am, and she says, who are you calling ma'am, you priss? <laughs> no, Charlotte said that. And they go down the elevator, and the guard downstairs stops them and says he's heard that there's a security breach, can't be in here. Charlotte tells him to release Tolson. He says, you know, I can't do that. And she's saying how this is her hospital and no one is treating her with respect. And the guard says, if you want me to release him, you're just going to have to shoot me. And she's like, okay, boom, he's dead. Bucket is losing her mind. Poor Betsy. She gets the keys off the guard and opens that first gate. And Eddie is like, where's where's Mildred why is this lady here is this part of Mildred's plan uh where is Mildred what is going on Charlotte says I am Dr. Richard Hanover and I've risked everything to get you out of here and Eddie's like oh so you're a lunatic cool one quick thing I've got a question for nurse bucket so he grabs a shotgun and tells her to get in the cell. And she's like, yep, I'll just go right <laughs> on ahead and do that myself. Thank you very much. But he follows her in. He's pointing the gun into her and he's like, whose plan is this? Is this Mildred's plan? She says, no, this is not her plan. I mean, I don't know if she has a plan. I mean, this is probably not the plan. I don't know. I don't know nothing about a plan. And he says, I know she had a plan. You better tell me. And Betsy finally breaks down and tells him that she had planned to kill him. So he didn't get the electric chair. She was going to euthanize you. And he looks genuinely heartbroken and just walks out locking bucket in the cell behind him so he and charlotte leave and go up the elevator and the guard who let them in is like uh oh hey i hope everything was up to your standard oh there's eddie what the hell is going on so he's down on the floor begging for his life he's like i have kids and eddie says all right just leave him let's go and they do but not before eddie takes his gun and then flips through his wallet real quick and he's like you don't have kids he calls him a coward and whacks him in the head with a gun so they get through the final gate. They load up in her. This is a really nice car. And she said something about where she got it. She, she, got she it. bought with mo- her money from Mildred because Mildred told her she'd send her money. That's right. That's right. Eddie's driving. I was like, okay. He says, I look forward to working together, Dr. Hanover. And she's like, me too. We make a fine team. Okay. Yeah. Then there's a quick cut to Mildred is coming into work, you know, just always. As she's been doing this entire time. She was just going to come in and loiter in the lobby for a little while, I think. Apparently. And she's driving that beautiful turquoise car. And as she's going down the road, she's getting passed by that beautiful yellow convertible. And you see this slow motion as her and Eddie make eye contact as they drive by like, hey. (laughs) And she slams on the brakes and gets out. Why didn't she just turn the car and chase him? That's what I said. Follow them. Hello. But Eddie keeps driving, and she just stands there and stares at him like, bye, bring me back something cool, have a good time. We had a plan, goddammit. <sighs> they always have a plan that he ruins. Yes, true story. So then the title cards say Mexico 1950, and we are in Mexico, and Gwendolyn is on the patio of this beautiful hacienda that they're staying in, 
And she's reading the paper and Mildred walks out and tells her good morning. And they both look very relaxed and they both have their hair down. They're just relaxed. Cynthia Nixon looks so pretty in this she particular does. scene. And that little shirt that she's wearing with the embroidery. Oh, it's so pretty. And Mildred asks Gwendolyn who's looking through the paper, anything? And Gwendolyn says, well, you know, Truman has ordered the military into North Korea. And that's not what I'm asking about, Gwen. Gwendolyn tells her this line of question has become a morning ritual. It's been more than two years and no one has seen him. He escaped the hospital and disappeared. Suddenly there's a knock at the door and we're like, oh, he's here. Now, Mildred goes to the door and says, well, 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 look what the cat dragged in. And it's Betsy Bucket looking fabulous in this beautiful, fun hat. She just looks great. Mm -hmm. And she's telling him, oh, my heaven, this place is divine. So then they, you see the three of them, they're lounging on chairs by the pool, and Gwenny is telling Betsy all about how her doctors are using mistletoe to treat her, and so she's, like, in complete remission. She's she's good, and she's the doctor's star patient. And Betsy, she says, when I think of some of the things I was trying, like, hydrotherapy, I shudder. Oh, shut up, Betsy. <laughs> Seriously. And then she says, well, isn't it so nice to be rid of them? And Gwendolyn says, who? Betsy says, men, I know neither of you have much use for them, but look at us with not a fellow to be seen, enjoying the life we made for ourselves as three strong, independent women. Meanwhile, Mildred is just staring off into space because she's just not there. And Mildred says, well, I appreciate all the optimism, but I don't feel quite free from the past. I know him. He's my brother. He's not finished until he comes for me. And then she gets up and Gwendolyn says, well, where are you going? She's like, I'm going to get my book. And I think it's really funny is that Betsy and Gwen are in these cute capri pants and tops. And Mildred is in like a freaking gown. Mm-hmm. And she's like this full gown. And she just takes off suspiciously running away. And she's just walking down this path. And she's like looking behind her shoulder, over her shoulder. And then she walks past this greenhouse in between the bars. She thinks she sees Edmund, but he's not really there. So she runs to her room and she's like, in every horror movie ever, she drops her key and she's fumbling with the lock. And she finally gets inside we kind of see a flash of a hand with a knife behind a curtain. And then Mildred runs in the room, grabs a suitcase from under the bed and grabs out a gun. And she's struggling to load it because it's every horror movie ever still. And there's a knock at the door and she says, who is it? But no one answers. Who is that? Still no one answers. So she opens the door like a crackhead and, and it's Charlotte. Hey, Charlotte, how's it going? And she's, Hey, nurse ratchet. I just came to tell you I am completely cured. And Mildred's like, well, how the fuck did that happen? Well, Charlotte has a great patient plan here. She started bathing in the blood of the people she killed along the way, and it's absolved her of her sins. It's like dandy. It's another dandy nod. Yay. And Mildred says, well, where's my brother? Charlotte tells her, you should try it. You've done a lot of killing, too. And Mildred says, where's my brother? And then this is what I was talking about earlier. Charlotte says to her, I find it so interesting that you've returned to the water. What does that mean? Hmm. I don't know. I don't either. I don't know. It's because she was in that hotel that was on the cliff. Maybe. I don't know if there's something in her past. Because this is the creepy credits and all the water makes me wonder there's something. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to come up with later. And Mildred's like, yeah, tell me where my brother is or I'm going to shoot you. And Charlotte says, what are you freaking out about? He's right behind you. Eddie steps out of the curtains as Charlotte shuts the door. And now they're all inside the room. And Mildred says, what are you doing here? And Eddie says, oh, sis, I'm here to kill you and myself. We can't go on this way we are. We have too much damage on the inside. You betrayed me and the one I loved. How will we just fucking end it? And she's like, I will end it, little brother. And she goes to fire. And, of course, the gun won't fire because she didn't know how to load it. And she was in a hurry. Who knows? And besides, Charlotte just swats it away, yelling, Eva Braun! (laughs) I killed your man and I'll kill you, too. And I was like, oh, of all the times. Mm Mm-hmm. And he tells you, you kill me twice. Is that what you're going to do? So he Nelson stabs Mildred in the stomach. And we immediately cut to Mildred awakening from a nightmare. <gasps> holding her stomach. It's all a dream. And she's still, though, in that same room. She's still with Gwen. And Gwen wakes up, too, and holds her. It's calming her down. And again, there's a knock at the door. And again, it's Betsy. And Gwendolyn welcomes her in. And they start having that same conversation that they'd had in Mildred's dream about how good um, Gwendolyn looks and about, oh, it's the mistletoe. It's this new treatment. And I was like, why is Bucket wearing, like, an Asian cone hat? I, 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 I said she... <laughs> 
She's wearing a less fabulous hat. And <laughs> instead of saying how the place is divine, she's complaining that the drive took forever. So it's obviously not a dream this time. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she says, oh, it's just so lovely here. I could live here. But actually, Miss Mayfair has made her, Miss Mayfair being that wealthy benefactor, has made her the permanent head of the hospital. And she's very happy where she is. Doubled her salary. I'm like, wow, yeah, that would make mm. you happy. And... Now, but now I know where I'm spending my two week vacation every year. And they're sitting at like a little table at an outside restaurant, and a waiter hands Gwen a paper. And Mildred again asks that anything. And Gwen says to Bucket, she says she asks me that every day. But unlike Mildred's dream, this time there actually is something interesting. It is a murder of seven nurses in Chicago. And at the moment she hears that, she turns around to see a waiter walking towards her with a phone, telling her that she has a phone call. And I was like, how long is this cord? Because he walks way over from the bar, and then she walks, like, way over to the seawall. And she says, hello, Edmund. And he says, how did you know it was me? She says, I knew you wouldn't stop. I knew you would do something to try to get my attention. And he's like... Yeah, did, did you like that? And she says, well, Edmund, you have my full attention. And he says, don't you want to know how I found you? She says, I'm assuming someone I know has sold me out. And when I find out who, I will make them pay dearly. He says, you're going to listen to me. She's like, let me guess. You're coming for me and I should be very afraid. Well, let me tell you something. You are the one who should be afraid because I am coming for you, Edmund. And then she peppa pigs the fuck out of that thumb. <laughs> <laughs> and Edmund's like, rude. Hangs up, <laughs> walks out to the car where Charlotte is screaming at Louise as Undine. And, of course, that crazy fucker Louise had to be part of this. She's the one that gave him up. Yeah. And and we'll talk about that in a second. How? Why? What? And Edmund's like, why in the hell did I decide to go on the lam with these two lunatics? First Dolly. And then, like, he just has very poor choice in company. <laughs> and he says, okay, ladies, let's hit the road. And the last image we see is kind of an overlay of Mildred looking out to the ocean and Edmund and the ladies driving down this long, empty road. And will their paths intersect in the future? Signs point to, you bet your ass they will, because I believe there's a second season coming. I'm so angry that there's a second season. Like, there's this is, no this, point. <laughs> this last episode was completely pointless. I mean, they had already kind of wrapped everything up in the last one, other than Edmund. Uh, but I don't know. All I have in my notes is Sarah Paulson is so freaking good looking in this last scene. She's yes, so she's beautiful. Gorgeous. She's stunning. Her little profile as she's looking out to the ocean. I was like, oh, she's so pretty. I know she is so pretty. Yeah, but we had talked about this beforehand. Where did Louise come from? How did either she find Edmund or he find her? Like, how did she insert herself into this story? How? I mean, yeah, I don't know because unless he went to the hotel looking for Mildred, like to go kill her right then and there. Maybe. And then he ran into her there, but like, like, I'm looking for Mildred. And she's like, oh, hold on. Don't, you know, let me fill out this form real quick. But she's like, I hate that bitch. And he's like, I hate that bitch. And then they're like, let's hit the road. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Don't... It's, I don't know how they got together. And yeah. I don't know. And why, and how would Louise know where they're at? Other than like Betsy saying, I'm going to Mexico. That was the only connection I could make there. I was like, I'm sure Betsy said, I'm going to go to Mexico and Louise, or, and she may have even said to visit some friends and Louise just kind of inferred. Said like, you have friends? Yeah. yeah. Over a bottle of champagne, they're talking about this. But I don't know how to make the connection then from Louise to either Charlotte or Eddie because they didn't know her. Yeah. And how would she be like, hey, I see you guys are crazy. I'm a little crazy, too. Think it'd be fun if I joined your little crazy party and like, here, come on along. But she That's actually the only way I can envision this happening. Well, she had said earlier, like, that he, that he she saw his pictures in the newspaper and she thought he was, you know, creepy, handsome in, like, the best way. She thought he was, like, he gave her the shivers in the best way or something like that. So, mm, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't thought about the fact that his face is everywhere, so she would 
recognize know, him. Yeah, she knows who he is. But she wouldn't know that he has that connection with Mildred unless he did. She does know that because she listened she? to the recording. She listened to that oh, priest recording. Oh, yeah. Okay, hey, we're fleshing this out. This might make so sense. So she knows, I mean, Louise knows some stuff, but I just don't know why they're so dumb. They're like, come on, get in the car. You don't look annoying at all. No, absolutely not. She probably lured them with her shrunken apple dolls and was like, I'll make crafts for you. And I've got the pimento loaf recipe. That's true. That's true. I do like a good pimento loaf. And I forget that they're, like, in California, so they can just hop on down to Mexico. They can Mm -hmm. just drive there. Okay. Well, you know what time it is, people. It is time for you to get off your ass and tell us what you want to do next before we just pick something, whether you like it or not. Yeah, because it's a weird time. A bunch of things have come out, but they're all really dark things, and I don't know if we should do something... If you liked this, I mean, this is kind of dark, but we, I think we made it funny and tolerable, so... Yeah. I would love to watch something completely ridiculous we can tear apart. Yeah, me too. We just need, I think, a little levity. We haven't had that in, like, oh gosh. A really long time. A really long time, (laughs) yeah. That, what's it called, that Palm Springs movie was kind of funny. Yeah. That was the last funny one we did. Oh, yeah, that was such a good movie. Yeah, that feels like forever ago. I hear that Emily in Paris, um, but it's on Netflix. I'd really rather not do a Netflix show. I hear that that one's just terrible, and that would be funny to make fun of, but... Uh, yeah, so if you have an idea of, like, a Hulu or an Amazon mm-hmm. or a something else show that we could watch or a movie, I mean, this series was kind of more fun because it was Yeah, I like a series. Quick, yeah. So, let us know. Let us know what you're thinking because we would love to know. Otherwise, we're going to pick something and you're going to hate it and so there. Yeah. Yeah, deal with it. Um, And there are many, many places where you could communicate your choices or your suggestions with us. And where would some of those be, Tiffany? Uh, You could find us on Facebook at That's So Original Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at That's So Original Podcast. And on Twitter at That's So Pod. You can email us at That's So Original Podcast at gmail.com. You can go to our website, That's So Original Podcast. Or, you know, write, leave us a review on Apple iTunes or any of these podcasting platforms. Let us know you're out there. Let us know that we're not just talking into the void. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll keep doing that, but it would be super fun if someone was listening. Yeah, you guys are going to keep screwing around and not tell us something. And we're going to, like, start reviewing Peppa Pig episodes. And then what are you going to do? <laughs> then what are you going to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, I would... I, that I'm, might I'm actually totally, be fun. I'm totally down for that. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to rename the podcast. I'll come up with something <laughs> clever. Cool. Okay. Well... You know, there was, I didn't do a gag reel last time because I was just like, you know what the hell with it? I'm just leaving it all in. It's just going to all be in there. It's just going to be like, Kelly's an idiot for 57 minutes. So um, I don't know if there'll be one for this, but if there is, you'll know it. So that's pretty much all we got. Send us an email, please, please, please. We love you. And we'll talk in your area next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I bet there's a hoe. I bet there is not. Because it's a barn. <laughs> there's no hose in the barn. Oh! What do they use hose for? Gardening. Farming, right? Yeah, but they don't keep those in the barn. I don't think All they do. Right. You're right, they don't. A real farm is not having that. This isn't a real farm. This is some <laughs> Hanover vision of, sure. of animal therapy. <laughs>